Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. We're back, week three of Juvenalia. <laughs> Having a spooky time. Too traumatised to do any properly spooky stuff, because this is like an actual horror horror film yeah this now. is the spookiest one we've done so far we when we just did a Donnie Darko episode at the very end I was like oh we're about to do we're about to talk so good with something really scary so uh, <laughs> so big, welcome Sophie White big welcome oh, Sophie White to, to come and talk to us about the real scary shit what yes, are you going to talk to us the grim I have brought the grim <laughs> excellent excellent but it means a lot to me this film great for sure it actually got a shout out in the acknowledgements of my new book um, which I don't have to hand typically but um, in my thanking of my father, um, Kevin, I thanked him for a bit of very cavalier parenting <laughs> that he did when I was about 10. Yeah. Um, when Texas Chainsaw Massacre was shown one night on um, film four. And uh, he just was so enthusiastic that he lost all sight of the fact that I was not ready to see this <laughs> film. And he was just like, it's stunning. It's a stunning piece of filmmaking. You're going to love this. Watch it. Watch it now. Watch that scene. And I'm like, ha. Oh. <laughs> I had that and with then I remember a... he fell asleep. Oh, yeah. He's and chilled. Yeah, yeah. Left me alone with it for a time. I was like, oh, my God. Are you dead? Unwardened in that terrible world. My dad did that to me with a razor head. Oh, So wow. I feel you on the, you're a smart kid. You'll enjoy this film. <laughs> enjoy is a very strong word, sir. Enjoy is a strong word. I think, though, that possibly what had happened to him is what has subsequently happened to me, which is that through watching over and over, you become inured to the horror and instead in awe of the filmmaking. Yeah. You know, Um, so I'm very excited, though, because Sarah has just seen it like within the last 12 hours for the first time ever. Ever. What about so, you, Alan? I watched it for the second time this morning. Okay. And I, to, I said this before we started, but setting an alarm to get up early on a Saturday morning to watch a Texas Chainsaw Massacre is maybe the most unwholesome thing I've ever done. <laughs> <in my life. laughs> so the first time I watched it was actually, uh, according to Wikipedia, the first time it was ever shown on British or Irish TV in 1999. It was on oh, Channel 4. Oh my God. So I remember like knowing that I, I should watch it because it, I remember like Select Magazine, which is the second time Select Magazine's come up in these episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. used to go on and on about like, Text Chains and Massacre and Last House of the Left and how they were banned and how they were important. So then it was like, it's finally gotten a release and it's finally been shown on TV. So you gotta it do like, it. I have to see what this is all about. Mm-hmm. Not what I expected. Now I'm thinking, God, maybe I was more like 12. And I, I'm there like, as if that's even that redeeming yeah. for my father. <laughs> yeah, I would have like, been... She's double digits. She can do this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd be in what, like 15, 14, 15, depending on what. Mm. It does have was. enormous band film energy off it, yeah. doesn't it? It does have a sort of a, a a grime and an edge and a rawness to it that you can feel censors looking at back then and being like, absolutely not. <laughs> Do you know that they were originally trying for a PG rating? Um, now, at the time in America, um, I've read that there was only PG and then like swooped up to R, R. Mm. and R rating would really hamper your, your cinema release. And so part of the reason there's not that much blood in it is budget. Mm. Um, it was made an extremely low budget. And part of it was that they were ever so slightly self-delusional and <laughs> deluding themselves into thinking they might swing this PG rating. Oh, um, like the so, version that you, you see now is the version they thought was going to get a PG. Yeah. Uh, I know it's, insane. it's absolutely wild the blood isn't yeah. what is the blood is not fun 
But the blood isn't what is frightening about no, it. No, exactly. Mm. You're so right. Like it's all the attendant kind of um, offcuts of humans and animals. <laughs> and how it's shot, right? Yeah. And it, part of that is, that is that budget energy. And it's because it's from before the sort of trope horror cinema that we live in today and the sort of trope horror cinema that we're all very fond of. It feels very much like a blueprint in many ways for how horror would continue you know with scream queens and final girls and yeah. all of those other things all of the kind of self-referential stuff that is in horror now this today. is this is a starting point in a way that i wasn't aware of until this morning where i was sitting there going this is where they pulled those threads from this strange mm. place is where they learned how to tell a frightening story and yeah. sometimes when you go back to those kind of things that have been the blueprint for everything they're a little bit disappointing because you've seen them so many times. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is still maybe the best one. So chilling. Yeah. 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 It's so it's, it's flawless. Yeah, yeah. And as you said, it walks so a lot of things could run. Mm. And like it's, um, you know, all of its kind of use of like uh, bits of kind of found footage, B-roll at the beginning, that like iconic introduction speech. Um, it, it is interesting because like it came like nearly 10 years before the cannibal holocaust and that is obviously was a banned film and had like i think it has like real kind of texas chainsaw massacre dna in that like texas chainsaw massacre feels like you're watching a snuff film doesn't it feel like yeah. sorry it really, like you're exactly right it feels like you're watching something that you shouldn't be allowed to see yeah it has an authenticity to it it's I'm I'm a big woman for throwing around camp all the time when it comes to horror because it's the only vocabulary I have and also because it punctures the silliness and it, it's, it's a vantage point at which you can kind of look at horror storytelling. Mm. This is straight in the face and it feels like it could be fucking real. Yeah. Like it's really distressing. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre never lets you go from no. the beginning to the end. Whereas like any of that kind of campiness that you're describing or that bit of like levity like even I think Scream is still a scary film, but obviously it's also hilarious. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. it's it's that kind of it allows you breathers mm. in that way. Whereas like Toby Hooper has you by the neck yeah. and like is is shoving your head into a steel bucket for 93 minutes or however long it lasts. Mm. And it's just relentless. But I loved as well, like on one of the on the original posters, I, I couldn't find. I was like, I think it said it really happened, exclamation mark, like on the original poster. And then that's obviously something then that like they just started doing all over the shop with horror was kind of, you know, trying to claim based on real events, based on real Blair events. Blair Witch Project. Mm. The Blair Witch Project exactly. owes a great debt to that opening monologue of like, this is real and this is how we're spinning it. Yeah. And I think a lot of the intimacy of the shots and how close, well, obviously how close the camera feels to everyone in every room and the way everything plays out is part of how the horror works and obviously mm. part of the budget constraints. But there is a, there is a realism to it that I, I can't put my finger on. And I think that it, it must have been part of the Blair Witch is looking at something like absolutely the way this story is told. And even like the title always struck me as a really interesting choice. OK, well, you know, for starters, that it was nearly called Head Cheese. Of course, <laughs> Head Cheese is like this weird. Well, that would have just that would have camped it up. You Wouldn't know, it? Mm -hmm. no, yeah. equally, I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre rolls off the tongue. Cellar door, right? <laughs> yeah. but, it, um, but it also has a really operatic title what a statement well i think as well like massacre texas chains of massacre is how it's the language that um like 
news media would use to describe like a mass killing yeah. like mm. you know the you can just see it the kind of like I don't know Bellevue massacre or the like even yeah I just think that it's almost like lends it this kind of like historic sort of newsprint feel to it. Yeah, yeah yeah and um I, I don't know, like, should we kind of do a quick rundown for any listener who yeah, hasn't seen it? give us a rundown, it? give yeah. us a top tail. Give us a summary. Like, okay, so basically, Text Chainsaw Massacre opens with a bunch of teenagers, early 20s, uh, kids in a kind of, like, typical sort of, like, 70s kind Mystery of van. Machine. Yeah, 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 the kind of Scooby-Doo kind of van. And they're driving to um, Franklin and uh, Sally's kind of parents' old house in it's supposed to be kind of the back arse of nowhere in Texas. I think it was actually shot really close to Austin. Um, and um, they're hearing over the radio that there's been kind of like grave robbings in the area and disturbed graves. And they become concerned that their grandparents' graves may have been disturbed. And so we're hearing kind of like news um, reading uh, already of these kind of like really gruesome kind of almost sculptures that have been left behind in the graveyard so they are so it's all been kind of set up as unnerving but it's like this scalding hot day and like you can smell the inside of that Mm. van like there's two guys uh three guys and two girls basically and sally and her brother franklin who is disabled in a wheelchair are our kind of final girls really mm. um, the others Jerry and <laughs> Pam and Pam never had a fucking chance <laughs> they're a what. bit kind of also rams aren't they but yeah, anyway yeah. they're driving along and they decide to pick up this hitchhiker who is proper just kind of Charlie Manson looking dude mm. you know he he is totally off the wall from the moment they take him his handbag his handbag is stone cold a raccoon pelt I like, know it is. he has he's draped in small animals but also, it's kind of like um, hippie sort of. It's vaguely hate Ashbury chic. Yeah. But yeah. then the knives are real kind of thing. <laughs> and he totally seems like somebody who's actually just on a really bad acid trip. So you can totally see why initially, and he's their age, while initially they're kind of like accepting of him, but then like he's oh, the, the bag of tricks, like when he's pulling out Polaroids of like um, butchered animals and, and then he kind of pulls a knife uh, on Franklin and they're kind of, there's a scuffle and the first bit of blood is actually um, the hitchhiker cutting his own palm. Um, and so they eventually get him out of the van and but he But not before marks, he takes a photograph. Oh yeah, he takes their photographs. There's this really brilliant moment because the 70s obviously photographs of cameras are much bigger and much mm. more kind of incredible machines and he takes a photo of Franklin and then Franklin's like, I don't really like the angle and he then places the photograph into an unfolded piece well, of tin foil. He tries to sell it to him for $2 mm. and he's like, no, I don't really like that. So he puts it in a piece of unfolded tin foil with some gunpowder on it and sets the gunpowder on fire and contains oh, the explosion. It's like this tiny ugly spell that happens in the back of the car and at the back of the van and you can fucking feel the chaos like it, it's gone wrong before that but that's when it really solidifies itself as you're you're fucking with bad hill magic this is darker than you can imagine like it's a really horrible moment like, totally ugh. and then he actually like you know marks the outside of the van in his own blood which is just so it's like a detail that the our characters themselves don't discover for quite a while, but like we, the audience, have the awareness. 
Um, so they drive on and they stop in a gas station that there's no gas. Uh, gas station sells barbecue. There's been a lot of discussion uh, already in the van about how they uh, kill the animals in the abattoir. Sorry. Um, and how they used to just do it with a hammer and now they do it with an air gun. And regardless of the method, those animals are still terrified is is the message so all these kind of things are kind of playing out and and in, it'd be really like uh i love the way the the dialogues really throw away mm. in this film but like the um setups are so specific and so considered like there's shots of cattle when they're driving through the countryside where if you think about it like that had to have been just a day's shooting to go in and get an those just glimpses of cattle waiting to die you know so nothing is at all incidental or you know a by accident and then it basically from the gas station they're talking to the gas uh, guy attendant guy and asking about the old franklin house so this is like um sally and franklin's family home is kind of in the area seems like it's kind of implied that is a few generations back almost yeah there's a granddad who worked in the abattoir goes back for a while and like they're ostensibly in a nicer film it's sort of a big chill let's all go to the old family home and yeah it's like the you know it's the traveling pants kind of (laughs) we're gonna go swim in the creek we're gonna have a nice weekend but it's brilliant because every one of those details is like turned a notch to the wrong mm. in that they go they do try to go swim in the swimming hole and it's du- it's complete dust dried up they do find their grandparents old house but like there is just it's the way it's shot it's this beautiful white house that just looms you know and is is overgrown and um franklin can't go into the house and they leave him outside and it's such a kind of continuous ratcheting up of stress because Franklin's really upset. Yeah, about he's a wheelchair user. And I think for the time that it's set in, that's handled pretty compassionately. Like, not by the characters, but by the film. Yeah, because you know? it's definitely you... Well, it's so funny, because I've heard people kind of talk about how Franklin's like this really irritating character and he's the most annoying character. Whereas I think when you watch it, like, he's he's really compelling because because he's having like really understandable reactions to the others leaving him out. And they're two couples and he's there with his sister. Like it's kind of a shit situation to be in and none of them are trying to help him out no, by bringing not him into in the, the house. Slightest. Like he's hampered really badly and nobody is trying to help him out and they're just like, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So there's mm. an interesting, for a group of characters who are kind of non-characters, like Franklin, I think gets the, Franklin's experience shows us a lot about the others. The others. Just for sure. being down for a good time and that kind of sucks, you know. There's dicks in their early 20s, you know, like, and that's why their fate, I don't know, I didn't necessarily feel 100% sorry for all of them, you know what I mean? I wasn't close enough to any of them to be like, mm. oh no, gosh, you yeah. know. <laughs> I, I can see why people do find Franklin annoying in, in the early in the van scenes, for sure, because mm. he is weirdly intense about the meat and the knife in the way that the hitchhiker is as well. It's like, they are from the same place at the end of the day. They are from like within like a houses like essentially like 
200, 300 feet from each other. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. is in his DNA as well. Whatever's yeah. going on around yeah, there. These is two Franklin. families were neighbors. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, we'll go on to introduce the second family. But like, yeah. also, Franklin's the only one who has an accent that sounds like he's from Texas. Yeah. Which is mm. quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Everyone else but is also, rounded. He's so much kind of the only one who's very defined as a character. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and like I said, it's just all these like other strands that kind of wind together to slowly wind up the tension, you know. And so anyway, basically, uh, Jerry and Pam are off to try and go swimming and um, I don't know, like reenact uh, Elizabeth Berkeley's uh, <laughs> swimming pool scene <laughs> from Showgirls, perhaps. Um, there isn't a bra among them. Which Not I, a bra in sight. Very great. pro. Lots of great, co- lots of great flares, I feel. I felt like I spent an inordinate time looking at bell bottoms and I was like, that's a great structure. And like, great just structure shirts on bell all the way buttoned to the waist. Yeah, Love that. Yeah. Big sunglasses. Um, and so when they can't uh, swim in the swimming hole, they go kind of searching further afield. They find the neighboring family's home. Um, and there's like weird kind of moments where they see a vast collection of cars just all parked up, had big making a murder vibes actually Mm. um, to it. And, you know, you're kind of, it's dawning on us that like, these are the cars of the previous people who went investigating. Um, And then things just like jump up a gear so fast from there. Um, basically, they go into the house. Jerry goes first. I, I that sliding metal door is mm. there's something really like powerful about it, and I think that why it's so jarring is that the the rest of the house looks like um, Norman Bates's house in Psycho. It's like proper American sort of you know. Uh, What's that, you know, kind of the, the, the got the little porch and there's like a swing and there's like there's kind of wholesome Americana. Of, I was about to say there's bits of Norman Rockwell here mm. in this house. And then what happens is this steel door is kind of the like breach of the kind of, I don't know, industrial into this homestead. You know, it's, it's, it's a slaughterhouse chic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the look. Exactly, mm. slaughterhouse chic. And so Jerry is dispatched pretty quickly by Leatherface, who is comes out of nowhere. A big, mm-hmm. gigantic Icelandic man called Gunnar Hansen. He wasn't supposed to have the role. Previously, there had been another actor um, signed up to play uh, Leatherface, and the actor had such a crisis of a conscious conscience yeah a spiritual crisis yeah. about what they were doing and he actually like holed up in a motel room uh, could, they couldn't get him out and eventually he just backed off the project and said he couldn't do it I get it Leatherface yeah. is Leatherface now I suppose as a Halloween costume item I've seen more Halloween costumes of Leatherface than I had obviously seen of the film the original mm. text which is, I think how a lot of horror becomes disseminated and how things become like I guess a sort of modern folklore they they become completely detached from their source text mm. and I can only imagine signing up for that role and then realizing suddenly the depths of that brutality and having to enact that like Leatherface is fucking terrifying because he's operating without motive yeah and uh, I think he has motive well I think he's operating in a fear reaction is my take on Leatherface because Mm. these are home invaders 
to Leatherface. But I have a very sympathetic reading on Leatherface. Yeah. And I just can't get away from it. I, I mean, we'll talk more about it, but like, I mean, basically he kills Jerry and Pam their friends coming looking for them. Like, I don't want to kind of do spoilers as such. I know. I think we're good. You can't spoil yeah, yeah. a film that came out in 1970. <laughs> this is one of my rules. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, I mean, we see through that steel door eventually and see Pam being placed on a hanging meat hook. Very casually, I will say. Oh, my just God. Just lamped up there as you would a coat on a fucking hanger. Absolutely. Astoundingly cavalier. Just pops her up there. And obviously in our first yeah. seeing of Leatherface, he's dressed as a butcher yeah. and he's wearing a mask made of uh, somebody else's face. Potentially a couple of other, a couple of other people's faces. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It's That's true. really hard to look at. Like it's brilliant practical effects. It's really scary. Yeah, it's amazing when you see his eyes behind the eyes and there's eyelashes on the face. Yeah. And there's his eyelashes behind them. Those kind of touches are so epic. They're mm. so good. And like, so we never see the rest of their fate. We know Pam ends up in a freezer briefly. Yeah. Um, she pops out later yeah. um, in a really great mo- moment, actually. Yeah. Like the hysteria and desperation of her when she pops out of the freezer, when um, Sally's going, walking through, looking for her friends. And Sally's walk through the house when she ultimately goes after them to find out where they've gone. Um, they She sees basically a blanket of theirs that they left outside and knows No, wait, that that's the, the other male friend goes in. Oh, so sorry. Yeah, so that's, sorry. That's boy Jerry. two. Jerry. Kirk is boy one. Kirk, Kirk ah, boy one. Right. Jerry's boy two. Yeah. Uh, we don't really find out what happens to boy two, I think, do we? Does he, does he, he see gets, his face? He uh, gets hammered. Oh, he gets hammered. Yeah, yeah he gets hammered. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so... Sally, when she goes in, basically Sally and Jer- uh, sorry, Sally and Franklin have been left at the van, mm. and they don't know what has happened to the others. And um, it's obviously like they have some constraints in terms of what they can do because literally, you know, in terms of for Franklin and his mobility, and they are going through like rough countryside. And it's dark by that point, and it's dark by then, and then they discover that the keys of the van are gone. So yeah. they're having a row about whether or not to go look for their friends and or whether or not to leave. And then like Sally wants to leave and make Franklin stay by the van. He clearly doesn't want to be left, understandably. Um, there's only th- one torch. There's only one torch. Um, and basically you're there with them in this kind of like impossible decision, but you're like, don't do it. Like, don't do mm. it, guys. And I do think that's the point where actually we do start to have an emotional connection with those two characters. What do you yeah. guys think? Mm. Like, you do get on their side. And the, and the argument is so terse and sad because she's, at one point, she's just like, I can't get you up the hill. Like, it's a really, like, and he, at one point he says to her, it's like, oh, you don't want me here. And she's like, no, that's not what it's about. I'm just tired. Like, the argument is very human. The dialogue is very understated, very terse, mm very normal it's the yeah, way siblings would argue like, they're, they're worn mm. out they're freaked out it's not this is what I mean by the absence of camp like it's intimate and it's sad and that is when I'm on their side and that's when I the inevitability the inevitability of the situation starts to unfold and you're like oh you're gonna go into the house the pair of you yeah yeah that's the only way forward here you're not gonna sit in the van you're going to go to the house and that's it like when Sally does eventually go into the house it's not blood and gore it's feathers and mm-hmm. teeth and, bones. and yeah the bone sofa was really something the bone mm-hmm. sofa like Stunning. I think we see a lot of effigy 
work in modern horror television like True Detective, Detective loves yeah. an effigy Hannibal yeah. loves an effigy you know mm. I, I myself partial to an effigy but I think the way that it's built in here is really and Sally herself is so obviously distressed mm. as she realizes what's going on like I think like there's a tweet going around last week where it's like folk horror is like oh there's a bunch of twigs in the wrong way and there's a point at which she sees a sort of a mobile made in a doorway from bits of bones this is mm. where the Blair Witch thing crosses over totally, for me yeah. you can see these weird folkloric like rune style things placed around but then there's also just loads of fucking bones and skeletons and the chicken in the cage the chicken in the cage yeah is it's a too small cage yeah for a big chicken that's a sacrificial animal that's it's, what that is yeah. yeah yeah and it's just like i think all of the interior decorating choices um they really like smack of a kind of a I don't know. Oh, we've just had such an abundance here mm. that it, they're just scattered everywhere. What shall we use this part for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something about it that is like... It's truly deranged and like and genuinely frightening. Not play... And the camera work is the real fucking ghost in this film for me because it's so... It's shot so close. Mm. The rooms feel like rooms. The way everything is timed out feels like it's actually happening in front of you. They're not afraid. It's a short film with a lot of long moments. Mm. And I think if this is goes back to that, that snuff feeling, that feeling of reality. Like mm. we have so many of these bits of body parts, we might as well incorporate them into our home. We might as well make something of this. Mm. Use every part of the beast, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, that's deeply chilling. And Sally's, and the, the, she gives an incredible performance. Her fear is really, really tangible. Yeah, she's incredible. Yeah, that was reminding me. It's a real kind of nose to tail kind oh of. Oh boy, um, <laughs> no waste vibe. in this house. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so from there, like now, you guys have watched it more recently than me, but I think it goes to the through the underbrush chainsaw chase. Mm. From there, yes, Leatherface jumps out of the dark and chainsaws Franklin. Yes. And then Sally runs and then the chase is on. And she runs, unfortunately, towards Leatherface's house. And that's where she encounters everything in the house. She encounters the grandfather up in the room with the, the with corpse the of the grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, like, really baller move, just leaps straight mm. out the window. That run to the window is so well done. Like, I love that they did not have her hesitate even for a second. We got mm. two great window jumps in this film. Yeah. Yeah. She does not give a shit. But also... Her fi- like this is this is all this is performance stuff. Mm. You absolutely would, if you're oh her. God, yeah. You're jump. You're you're taking any exit or entrance available to you. You are giving the lep. You know. And the thing is, when they were shooting it and stuff, they shoot it, shot it all, um, uh, sequentially. Like so, everything was building for the actors in very real uh, ways oh, as well. Okay, yeah. And there was a lot of method going on. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, the woman who plays um, Sally, um, you know, really spoke about how she really was fucking scared of Gunnar Hansen by the end. Yeah. Mm. And like, they had things like, for continuity's sake, they had no kind of wardrobe as such. So they had to all stay in the clothes, oh, day after day. They're wearing there was out. Yeah. absolutely no kind of labor laws on that set. Um, like, they did long ass days. 
they really tortured Sally. Yeah. Um, Mar- is her name Marilyn? Uh... Marilyn Burns? Yes, yeah. that's it. Um, they really fucking tortured her, which is why it does feel like you're watching snuff totally. Her screams are incredibly upsetting. And also the chainsaw when he's chasing her is a real chainsaw that is running. Wow. Like that's the thing. They didn't like dub that in afterwards. They just gave Gunnar Hansen a chainsaw. Fucking chainsaw. Mm. Off you go sir. Be careful with that there. Yeah, yeah. So wow. like and there's so much I love the chase scenes in this film. Then you see it again during the last chase when the hitchhiker's chasing her. They're right on her shoulder. They're really close They're to her. They're really yeah. close and it's really real. But anyway, yeah, so she then runs to the gas station and her, uh, you know, her trauma is so raw in the the gas station moment. Like you think that she certainly thinks that she's finding refuge. And then like, you're right, like the camera there is just like breathing on her. Yeah. And like her eyes and everything it is, it's so fucking real. The angle when the she, when she meets the janitor who runs the gas station and he's touching her in a way that immediately tells me that we're fucked. Mm. Like the way he embraces her, it's, he's very close to her and the camera is very close to them. It's not bad, it's, it's really good cinematography. You can see the room, you can get a feel of it, but you, the way the camera is, it curses the whole interaction. Like, you know you're in mm. trouble before Sally knows she's in trouble. Like, he's he's very, like, he kind of manhandles her a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's There's big oof. John Carpenter vibes in that scene. Do you, mm. do you feel that? You know when the side door is left open, open and you can to see the, the night. night? Yeah. And there's such, it gives me big Halloween vibes, actually, that way that John Carpenter would frame things where there'd always be sort of something just visible in the background that is innocuous but not and also that tells us that the janitor isn't afraid exactly mm. yeah if the janitor met a if you met a person who was in distress you'd immediately close the door but oh yeah like exactly this is to. his town yeah yeah and then of course she sees the barbecue um, I actually brought you guys a present. Oh, no. Um, I brought you some barbecue. Oh, no. <laughs> um, it looks delicious. <laughs> I was like, this is the most, like, this is the greatest Oh, my God. For um, oh vegetarianism in this film. God damn, Sophie. Good woman. That looks great. <laughs> some bis- brisket. That is tasty. And I spent a lot of time looking at meat cooking over a fire this very morning. So thank you. Well, there you go. Oh you my God. That your Rustle that up. Unreal. Meanwhile, Sally's stuffed into a bag and brought back to the house mm-hmm. to have a dinner party with the whole family. And this is, I think, the centerpiece of the film. And it is the piece of the film that I love the most is the dinner party. And it's where, like, this picture emerges of that these characters are not all just kind of isolated, uh, like, loons. Yeah, they are wild family. folks of the hills. They are connected. They are family. Yeah. They are family. And it, I love that in this scene, Leatherface has changed outfit. Yeah. Um, I think that that's where I first kind of was like, I think Leatherface is a sympathetic character. He's just... Abused by this family. Yeah, he's a muscle. Yeah. yeah. But also, he's been put into a dress and has makeup on his leather as well. Yeah. Yeah, like he's the kind of yeah. homemaker yeah. character during the yeah. um, dinner party scene. He's also the character who is trying to broker peace when, um, you know, like the, the hitchhiker and, 
You call them the janitor. I always call them the cook in my head. <gasps> yeah, the barbecue yeah. from the barbecue, gas station. Yeah, yeah. When they're rowing and fighting, Leatherface hates it. Yeah, you can yeah. see. He, I think that there's a real childlike element to Leatherface. Like even yeah. when we first we when we first hear him, we don't see him initially. We hear him squealing off camera, like a pig. Do you remember oh. that bit? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. when the uh, steel doors kind of open. open and Kirk is looking and you can hear squeals. That's other face. And mm. yeah, and that, well, that's my read yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I know that uh, Gunnar Hansen has talked about going to a pig farm to kind of um, examine the sort of sounds of the pigs and stuff. Oh. So I do think that was him. And I think that that's like the indicator that Leatherface is the real child of this family that has never uh, like been able to form yeah in any kind of uh, reasonable way at all you know and i think and you know the way like there's a bit at the dinner party where so they bring down grandpa who is like nosferatu we've seen him briefly before i think they put sally's finger in his mouth there's like a flash of him drinking her blood from her fingertip before the dinner party no no that's that's the dinner that's at the dinner party the first time we see him we think he's just upstairs with the the granny and both grandparents are corpses then they bring him down Mm. oh okay i'm getting my scenes yeah Yeah, it's really gross and like that's so funny so in that part what we're seeing there is um marilyn burns really getting caught because there's they had some kind of stunt knife that was supposed to do the finger leaving the line of blood and after a few takes, it just wasn't working. And according to Gunnar Hansen himself, he just got fed up and cut her for real. Whoa. And stuffed her finger into grandpa's mouth. Yes. Grandpa was played by an 18-year-old. Whoa. Done up in some really intense FX makeup. Mm. Yeah. And like in that scene, there's like moments where Leatherface is like patting grandpa. And like, I think he gives him a kiss on the head yeah, at one yeah. point. Yeah, like yeah. it's really childlike stuff. Um, that like just I just think it gives him as a villain so much more depth to yeah. be interested and yeah. and and unsettled by yeah there's he's also, a child yeah. there's also the scene just after he kills Jerry he walks out into the sitting room and sits down and puts his head in his hands yes and he's suddenly like he's like like Martin Freeman and Fargo or something. He's yeah, like, what have yeah. I done? Reckoning with his But then life. he starts licking his lips because he realizes he's gotten food for his family. Yeah. But like, there is that moment where he's just like someone who's done a murder and has to figure out how to cover it up. And like, he's in just worn out from it. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of sitting, having a sit, man. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, the dinner party scene, like to shoot it, they shot for 24 hours straight. Fuck. Like they really pushed, um, Marilyn Burns like she is screaming and screaming and screaming yeah like it is incredible like it's not like at at, at a certain point it loses its Hollywood edge and you realize they're going to be doing this for longer than you think Mm. you would again short film long takes Mm. and the we get very deep close-ups of her mouth and her eyes and the blood vessels in her eyes like it's very intimate intimately shot there's an argument that breaks out between the cook or the janitor and the hitchhiker yeah um and it they're laughing at her horror like it's like they're they're drinking that before they presumably are going to eat her like they're really relishing in her fear and there's no natural arc to that scene it's just her screaming for five minutes or six minutes and Mm. them languishing in that and that unstructured chaos of that fear is what makes it a scary scene before it escalates again in a way that you can't even imagine it escalating again yeah that um 
when they're kind of trying to hit her with the mallet and it's and they're doing it so badly because granddad is going to do it because he was great at this he was really killer he was the best killer he'll make it happen real quick we've had people in this house it might take might take 63 minutes it might take this long for you to go and no no but grandpa's going to put you out and he's going to do it real quick and they bring her across the room with a fucking deep struggle and put her head in a basin and hold her down while the grandfather attempts to hit her in the back of the head as referenced earlier on in the van the way they would have killed cattle and he can't he's so beyond death and so decrepit and uh, like he's 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 a he's very frightening and and he he can't hit her he keeps dropping the scout hate that scene also (laughs) (laughs) don't blame you scout um kept dropping the hammer yeah like these kind of glancing blows that are just not doing not the hitting job. It. Drops it into the bucket, drops it onto the floor. Like it's such chaos until eventually the hitchhiker is like, I'll fucking do it. And I think it's so great with the way the hammer drops repeatedly. Mm. We can then sort of really feel like this dead weight of it. Like it's, mm. there's something really like really cool about showing the power of that tool. Mm. Like in that very like realistic way the blunt force of it exactly yeah. yeah yeah and so then anyway like she leaps out another window fair balls to her i think there's a moment Into where the hitchhiker the yeah the hitchhiker thinks that he he's gonna do it and then she takes the moment of freedom to just like st- just straight through the window no hesitation and the dawn is what surprised me yeah that it was mm. dawn it gives you a real sense of time because otherwise the whole film is daylight yeah so the dawn was very like a surprising addition to it because it's dinner and you think it's dinner time but it's not it's yeah they operate like out of time and it's really like every every decision made by toby hooper just seems to layer up the kind of um the chaos of it like you know and so she she flees and she gets to a highway and is saved by a passing well it's funny now the last scene i always find it a little confusing so there's a yeah. truck a big lorry like mm. and she tries to get in and leatherface has come after her leatherface is now in a kind of a dinner suit looks kind of like a crooner from a vegas kind <laughs> of review his or, outdoor clothes yeah, you know, yeah turning it out and um they kind of like she tries to get up into the lorry then the two the lorry driver and her get out the other the side, other side. Yeah, Leatherface kind of goes after the door mm. and it's it's confusing because then she gets away and the lorry driver gets him with like a tool like a wrench or he something he clocks him in the head with a wrench yeah, yeah, yeah. gets and Leatherface Leatherface gets himself in the leg yeah with the chainsaw which is great Oh, it's great! It Gross. looks truly like mince oh, meat. Oh, right in there, like it's. And again, I read about them doing that, and it's not like they used a kind of a fake leg or anything. No. They just put meat between Gunnar Hansen's flesh and his trouser leg. Jesus. Just like a wadge of meat was all that was keeping him just from cutting a side his real of beef. leg. Yeah, yeah. And then she basically flags down a pickup truck. And so you actually, she manages to get into the back of the pickup truck. Covered and in blood. the realism of it, because I wouldn't be able to get into the back of a pickup truck either. <laughs> and she does a terrible job of trying to get in. And then they, she drives away in the back of that pickup truck, like screaming and laughing, drenched in blood, hysterical. But we never learn what happened to the lorry driver. No. no. Isn't that just like, I always was like, but, but, uh, 
What was that? What He's also the only person of color in the film, I think, yeah. as well, which is weird. He just keeps running. And Leatherface, yeah. And Leatherface does his like chainsaw ballet. That dance. To the sun, sunrise. Oh. Yeah. Which is incredible. I was completely blindsided by that ending when I saw it. That like, they've, nobody, well, the hitchhiker gets killed, but Leatherface survives, which doesn't happen in these films ever. Yeah. Jason always dies, you know? Yeah, Leatherface yeah. there's no doesn't. resolution, no heroism, just a bare escape by the skin of mm. her teeth drenched in blood in the back of the pickup truck. Yeah. Like it's really hysterical and it, the sun is coming up and it's, it, it plays on her for a minute or two and then we're done. Yeah. And it totally feels like there'll never be any investigation by the authorities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like that family is left out there um, to continue in generations of mayhem yeah even though now granny's like granny is past it yeah so i don't know they may need to bring someone in to to procreate but it's um i i love the film so so much um because it's because of it, the family vibe mm. like I mean not just in a like ha 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 it's like everyone's Christmas dinner that dinner table <laughs> <laughs> but also because that but that's the horror of it is this insular deeply removed from culture deeply removed from society bunch of people who are operating by their own sets of rules rituals hungers there's no explanation there's no lore there's no let me tell my family for generations have been murdering idiots like you. None of that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No exposition. Expositions for cowards just straight into it. And that's part of where the horror lies is that you only get kind of glances of this family system that have been operating presumably like this for generations. Yeah. Yeah. It's all in the gaps. Like. Yeah. Mm. I have an unknowable set of rules. Mm. And um, that's brilliant folklore and brilliant uh, horror. You know, like I'm really interested in the way that like families have this power to create your reality. Mm. Like and it's like one of the I think hardest things to do is like um, extricate yourself from family. Like and so I always think I always think of families as islands like in themselves and you know, you really are kind of trapped in the system, as you said. Mm -hmm. And like there is such a tradition of these kind of fringe um, families with their own laws um, in storytelling, like Norman Bates and his mother. And there's big psycho vibes here in I particularly the eyes, mm -hmm. all of the shots a lot of, of Marilyn eyes. Burns eyes remind me very much of psycho and also, um, did you do you know this episode of the X Files called Home? I do. It's like yeah, one of my favorite episodes. It's weirdly hard to find it. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen it? Alan? I which I might not if you describe it. Which one is it? It's one. It's basically you could say it's the one uh, in homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, no. It's like um, it's set in like a very kind of off the wall sort of rural kind of. It's sort of supposed to be like backwards town Mulder and Scully find themselves in can't remember what they're initially investigating but they um these brothers come under suspicion nobody in the town knows anything about their household and I mean all I really remember is very vividly they store their mother under the bed on this kind of wheelie pulley out system 
Um, there's a lot of definitely incest and um, deformity, I suppose, like congenital kind of a part issues. Of it is that we, a part of it is that real big American, again, it's American horror specifically yeah. of hillbillies, right? Yeah, and like yeah. redneck culture that really... Deliverance, that kind of vibe. People who are removed from society and then like bad bad shit happens and to, to families outside of cultures and they just operate in their own systems you mm. know and i it's really distressing like a lot of that's one of my least favorite ones because it's so chilling like it's so it's so upsetting there was a thing i've seen recently um i feel like tiktok has given me a lot of true crime recently and i'm trying to teach it not to but like <laughs> there's that 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 family the parents the turpins who had like the 12 children in yes. the suburbs and yeah i think a, one of the great american traditions unfortunately is this white america wherein families enact terrible things upon each other generationally and generationally and operate outside of culture for for, for so long that when culture meets them mm. they are met with abject terror yeah. and and mutilations and deformities and children born within incestuous situations and people who maybe might not have language and like really really frightening stuff you mm. know but it's happening maybe 50 miles on the wrong freeway in the wrong town unhelped un unwitnessed untouched and it's really fucking scary it's yeah. really really scary you know i think it definitely ties back into the right to bear arms as well oh definitely. and the right to defend your property defend your property mm. your land your family it's yeah. the great american bullshit that's taken down in on itself and in on itself and in on itself until you have scenes of abject horror and cruelty mm. you know? i think america's is too big Yo, it's too big. Because the continent in Ireland, you can't get far enough away from people where you can get that weird. Yeah, you have to stay some way in contact with civilization. Yeah, yeah, you're always near. You don't always near a post office, give or take. Yeah, whereas in America, there's just emptiness. Mm. States full of it. But like in Ireland, with our tradition of silence, you don't Mm. need to be actually very far away. Yeah, all you need is the the indifference of your community. You Mm. know, like there's obviously been so many cases in Ireland of. Um, like really, really fucked up families. Yeah. And yeah. they, t- they t- like most of Ireland is pretty populated, really, if you think about it in, in I suppose, comparison to America. The like, great sway you, t- you can't go 30 miles in Ireland without hitting a pub or a post office, really. Do you know that kind of way? So I guess like per capita or whatever we're pretty densely populated yeah but we also you're you're dead right we're pretty good at keeping secrets and not yeah. saying shit to people like we're really good at like not protecting protecting monsters and we're really good at keeping secrets for too long but i think the frightening thing about that that particular bent of americana that dark hillbilly horror is that people don't meet them they don't see them mm. they are outside of the eyes of villages mm. you know and what happens when really literally nobody knows what's going on in that house 40 miles outside oh it looks abandoned or when you're really it's like being on a different planet it's like being in a different reach of the solar system you know those roads are those roads are fucking weird they feel like they go on forever but people do live off them you know and also there's a christianity there's a sort of a like you're right about those american values you know there's Mm -hmm. like a you can see, you can almost see their logic, but it's wrong. It's they're Trump, wrong turn. They're Trump they're supporters Trump for yeah, sure. Yeah. Purity all the way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's um. There's obviously been like a lot of sequels. 
right there's this huge legacy of yeah. Leatherface and the gang yeah yeah I've never I've never had any interest in any of them but I myself would like to have a crack at writing one what would you do that so what I would do is like a you know like Vogue's 73 questions <laughs> oh my no, god 73 leather faces yeah, yeah. No, tell I me about this lamp yeah <laughs> I love this sofa how many people is it made out of <laughs> um, no I, what I would really like it to do is kind of quite a quiet film about this family I would love to see where Leatherface sleeps you know I, yeah. ima- I, I picture it as some kind of nursery yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'd love like I wouldn't mind if it wasn't a big kill count, but yeah. I'd really love just just to spend more time with that family in the minutia of their day to day. Yeah. Their yeah. gas station. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it's more of a short film that I'm thinking of. Yeah. But it's a fan fiction anyway that I, I may go on to write. Yeah. Because that is compelling. Pulling closer to it and away from the 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 chase and the slasher element which again is executed really beautifully here and with incredible sincerity and that feeling of a snuff film like it is really unsettling and like the only daylight horror i can really think of immediately is midsummer and Mm. daylight horror is fantastic like i it's a great approach to it because everything looks worse everything looks worse in the light of day you know and Mm. there is a lot of template stuff here that became part of the horror legacy as years went on but the minutia is compelling. I think so. Getting into that house is compelling. Walking more slowly around that house is compelling. Mm. When did they buy the freezer? Yeah. Mm. Who is building this furniture? Who went into the shop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, where's that her face's mother? Where's, where's all the women? Mm. You know, mm. like what happened to them? What befell them? The hitchhiker is so young. Like what? Like there's there's so many questions that you could play with totally that have none of them have happy answers <laughs> yeah yeah it only gets it's all it's all fucking bones and eyeballs all the way down you know but it's yeah you're, you're actually i feel like i have a different kind of perspective on it now because it was this morning when i came in i was like fuck all these people monsters but i'm like oh no wait it's actually sad shit <laughs> <laughs> shit this is actually a sadder story sad for the sad for the mystery gang but also sad for Leatherface yeah I yeah. just have this like I don't know like justice for Leatherface kind of vibe to to my take on it after all these years like I've watched it three times this year alone yeah and yeah. like I do it's in my top 10 like hands down of not just horror but like Everything. any genre yeah yeah um really do just it's like a comfort watch yeah um yeah. and I don't know I mean it is because it is an absolutely like a1 film but I just get more out of it every time I see it. Like, yeah. it's truly one of those that, like, just the artistry is, like, it's mad because this was, like, the second film that Toby Hooper made and made for next to nothing. Yeah, I think it was 140 grand or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Like and, that. like, it made a shit ton of yeah. money. Um, and although none of the actors acting in it made <laughs> fucking pittance. Of course. And, but, like, it was everyone who worked on it was really young as well Mm, like mm. I mean they had fucking like a really like skeletal if you'll pardon me a skeletal crew working on it and you know yeah I just I just find it amazing what they achieved yeah and I do think it is like come back comes back to that kind of like necessity is the mother of invention type idea like sometimes the greatest thing for art is to have constraints yeah and um like that's why I think this just absolutely 
hits it out of the park, you know. Because they had so little and they, they bring so much from that, you know. And I think to be, in terms of everyone involved being very, very young, you'd have to be for those conditions. Mm. You'd have to be. Like, that mm. is exhausting shifts. That's hard going. And to be able to bring that level of performance and that much energy and that much, the eye, the the clean composition of everything, like, it's it's just... It's it's full it's full of energy and full of vision. Like mm. there's also very little. One thing I know is very little incidental music. There's yeah. these the 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 length of the scenes is is something that I keep coming back to. Like these terrible, frightening instances that we are we are forced into for longer than is comfortable. Mm. There's no if there is a jump scare, you are going to be held in that jump. You're going to be held outside your skin for four minutes, five minutes. Like they really, it feels like being in the room when it's happening. Totally, you know? like you feel so grimy. Oh, mm. yeah. Like I, I had to have like an iced, you know, like iced party ring biscuits. I find they're like the best uh, palate cleanser for bring you for back in, face. bring you back into real life, <laughs> bring you back yeah, into yeah. the world. Oof. Just remember, it's not as bad as this. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, but I think yeah. so much of the tension of it is that there's just no, like there's hardly like. The props were the actual things. Like yeah, yeah. at the um, dinner party, like they had filled that room with raw meat and stinking things, and like apparently people had to keep going out to vomit and come back. They introduced the, the stench very early on. They talk about it when they're passing by the abattoir. They mention mm. that the air smells bad, and that is like another establishing shot. It's another part of the scenery and part of the texture of the work. Is that very early on they point out that, that everyone in the car suddenly goes ah. And that smell never goes away and only presumably gets yeah. worse. Yeah. yeah. And it's weird because as well, like you associate barbecue with smelling delicious. Oh. But the barbecue in that fucking gas station, like yes, gas station barbecue already suspect. Mm. Gas station barbecue produced by this family, like utterly vile. Because you see Franklin eating it and it looks just horrible. Yes. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, because it's just like, we all know. We know. We all but know. also like the chair that Sally's in has like hands on, yeah, like her, full hands. It's like full arms are the arms like, of the chair and, and they're with flesh on them. Yeah. And they don't pull very close to that, but they do, do let you see it. So there's, if you're paying attention to every shot, there's always something deeply upsetting within your frame you yeah know? like they don't do too much and by the way the fucking chair is made of bodies like they just let that be in the room totally yeah, yeah. they let it all just be kind of incidentals instead of like these big teeing up like the mm. most teed up thing is probably the skeletal sofa it looks mm. great though and it does look and that's great. early enough that you gotta know what's you're like oh this is what we're in for you yeah know? they don't yeah. hammer that shit home once you know the furniture is people the lamp is used to great effect i think as well but again it feels incidental the face lamp the face lamp um, is stunning it's I great and that. it's just there in the frame you know <laughs> while everything else is happening and it's, ugh, it's yeah <laughs> fucking not a good time oh uh, well thank you for watching it for me it was great i'm delighted <laughs> I, I feel i feel enriched but not better do you know what i mean <laughs> like yes. i'm glad that i saw it yeah and i will have a bunch of shit to think about yeah. and i'm like i'm like that is good cinema but woof though like uh -huh, it's good it's good cinema yeah. it felt weird having to do other things today after watching it yeah it feels like that's, that's kind of your day once you watch the thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. set the tone <laughs> yeah. set the tone <laughs> sophie please plug yourself for us 
Um, sure, sure. Well, my new book is out. It'll be out by the time this <gasps> airs, I think. And it's called Where I End. And it's a novel. And it's a novel that owes a lot to the Texas Chainsaw yeah. Massacre. More and more as I think about it. So Where I End is... I'll actually... I'll read the back if that's... Definitely, cool. please. Yeah, yeah. I do a terrible job of, of explaining it myself. So the back uh, begins... My mother... At night, my mother creaks. The house creaks along with her. Elan has never left the island. Her silent, bed-bound mother is the survivor of a private disaster no one will speak about. Elan desperately wants a family, and when artist Rachel and her baby move to the island, Elan finds a focus for her relentless love. So, kind of going back to that thing of, like, families are islands. This is set on an island and it is set on an island of a family. Um, and there's um, there is an artist, uh, Rachel, in the book who it's not she doesn't make like face lamps and stuff. But funnily <laughs> enough, like as I was rewatching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I was like, some of Rachel's art is a little bit like this. In a, it's like the it's like the beautiful um reverse of it or something um and yeah so that's uh, the book i'm plugging at the moment and i think it's definitely good for spooky season very um deep october energy and on into the dark months and beyond yes yeah yeah. yeah, absolutely and then i am co-host two podcasts the creep dive with cassie delaney and jen o'dwyer all right and a mother pod with jen o'dwyer which is a comedy podcast about parenting um, or it's occasionally about parenting. It's really about <laughs> snacks. There's a lot of snack corner. Love that. Um, and what else? Yeah, you can fo- follow me on Instagram at sophwhitewhoop. Um, and that's it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having right. me on. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. Sarah, where can we find you? I'm on Twitter at Sarah Grifsky and uh, no, that's a lie. I'm on Instagram at Sarah Grifsky. I'm on the clock app at Sarah Grifsky and I'm on Twitter at Grifsky. My books are Other Words for Smoke and Sparing Vampires and there will be more news on that soon but you can find those two in all good bookshops Alan what about you I'm Alan underscore McGuire everywhere Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter Juvenalia pod on Instagram uh, we have a Patreon where we uh, do bonus episodes where we talk about what we started and finished recently they're so much fun and you should very come good time yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you to Steve McDonald for our artwork thanks D and thank you to Cassie and Tall Tales for having us oh thanks Cassie <laughs> uh, we'll be back for the final Juvenalia <gasps> next week which we don't know what it is yet so that's very exciting bye everybody bye